Gig Gab, episode 123 for Monday, July 17th, 2017. <laughs> Greetings, folks, and welcome to Gab, the podcast by, for, and about working musicians here in Durham, New Hampshire. I'm Dave Hamilton. Here in Los Gatos, California, it's Paul Kent. How goes it today, Mr. Kent? I'm a little tired today. We just finished up a pretty, pretty intense run. Five full band gigs in six days, which um, is a lot. But um, yeah. we had one gig. Well, we had one gig. It was 107 at Downbeat at 630 at night. That's like Texas hot, man. Yeah, no, it was crazy hot. And then the next day was actually quite hot as well. I mean, again, we had some covering, but, um, you know, it was pretty intense. And uh, it was an interesting arc of gigs. You know, we started with the 4th of July gig, which was good situation, huge stage, great sound system, huge crowd, mm-hmm. a lot of energy and a lot of, you know, we got a lot from that. Yep. So that one, we played, I think, seven and nine. And then there was a fireworks show. And then we had, a, most of us had to leave the house the next morning about 930 uh, for a gig, uh, I was telling you, we did a, a lunchtime gig yeah. in Oakland, you know, in downtown Oakland. So we had to get up there, you know, early. Luckily, it was the 5th of July. So normal commute traffic didn't apply. Otherwise, it would have been really a mess. So we get up there. We did a one hour gig. And, I, and like I said, the interesting thing of that was I had sent the booking agency our stage plot and they gave no indication that they were going to ignore it completely. Right. So that was, yeah, you, yeah. You said that last week. That's that's always fun. Always fun. Yeah. So then when we had a day off and then we headed into this stretch of a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, a Friday night, 107 degrees, a lot of traffic. You know, some of the guys just, you know, they just went really early and just hung out all day. And actually, we played a really kind of good show. Their message I'm going to weave through all this was um, we learned a little bit about about uh, our set list and how we pace the shows for this type of situation. Nobody's getting up and dancing the first song when it's 107 degrees out. So we, we chose songs um, right. that, that, you know, allowed us to kind of like get in the mood and it was hot. And, you know, some guys were, you know, struggling with the heat, just, you got to drink a lot of water to stay hydrated and stay, you know, healthy when, when you're playing like that. Anyway, so Friday night, and then we had a Saturday night, was a festival gig for us, which was a, a good gig. I, an interesting story there was um, uh, I looked at our stage clock and we had two minutes to go in the show. We had a hard stop at eight o'clock and we had, there were two minutes to go in the show. The show was going great, picked up a lot of momentum. And uh, we closed with Ain't No Mountain High Enough, which is about a three minute song. Oh. And I, I, I called it because the show was going great and I wanted to really you know end the show and send people out. Two minutes to go. I call the song. Uh, I look over and the booker clearly was not happy. Right. Oh, they, they, they just wanted you to end two minutes early instead of risking going over. Uh, well, it's either that we'll talk about that. Okay. It's either that right. or, or he assumed it was going to go way over. Like he didn't oh. know it was, it was a three minute song. So yeah, anyway, yeah, yeah, I knew yeah. it got off stage, you know, talked to the booker and he was like, well, I thought it was going to go a lot longer. We're cool. So, oh, so good. Okay. Yeah, cool. yeah. All right. But it was that, you know, that decision, he probably would have been happy if we stopped two minutes. If I would have gone five minutes over, he would have been pissed off. Yeah. Right. So, right. So there was that thing. And then we played a Sunday afternoon gig, one to 3 PM, uh, 
and luckily for that, so so it was in Burlingame, California, beautiful town, beautiful park, uh, and like seventy two degrees and sunny at, at Downbeat, and that was a really nice thing. And that, that's a, that's a nice afternoon, nice respite from the uh, from the heat of the previous gigs. Yeah, yeah, and interestingly enough, I think I sang my best show on the last day. So, huh. um, yeah, I was feeling good, and you know, just singing. You know, five days out of six is a lot of singing, but uh, I, I would I take from this that I must be doing something right with my technique. I have a little bit of like something's going on where I got like just a little bit of stuff down there that you know occasionally gets in the way, but it's definitely not throat stuff and it's definitely not horse stuff, and so um, it was pretty cool. That's good, but yeah, it was a good so, run. And, I mean, and you're probably elements. with the with all the heat, you're probably getting home and hydrating like crazy. Because, I mean, there's it, when you're playing on stage, really, it doesn't matter how hot it is. There's no way to maintain hydration, right? It just you, you, you sweat it out faster than you can bring it in. But, sure. but having it been so hot, you probably were hydrating like crazy. So you, you might have come into that Sunday gig. I found being hydrated is the biggest factor with my voice. Huh. Uh, I mean, barring, barring any, you know, like – health issue or whatever else is going on. But even with that, being hydrated is the key to surviving all of that. And well, so it's possible that right. that's what you did. Yeah. We got an interesting question on the, on the Facebook forum about bringing a vocal coach on the show, which I think is a really cool yeah. idea. We do it. Yep. I, I would say this. I am hyper, hyper, hyper vigilant about pushing from the diaphragm and anything that feels like I'm trying to squeeze from the throat and, you know, when I'm really conscious of that, it helps tone, it helps power, it helps um, pitch, um, So, and I don't get hoarse. So right. remember, you know, you have Broadway singers. And again, it's a different type of singing to a great degree, not entirely. But, you know, if you have right technique, you should be able to sing. Singing is technically easier on your voice than talking, certainly easier on your voice than talking over a crowd. Oh, way easier. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. you're projecting from your uh, from your gut. I One of the best things that I was ever taught er, like early on. I mean, I've been taught lots of things by vocal coaches and it's great. But one of the first valuable lessons I learned was, you know, the the vocal coach just said, let's just speak a little bit. And and she said, um, talk to me, you know, say what is something to me. So I said something to her and she said, OK, now. Pretend like you're going to say that to a person over there across the street and you just nat your body. You know how to project, yeah. right? The, the trick is doing that while you're singing. And so, you know, so it was like, oh, and I mean, I saw exactly what she was doing. It was like, oh, right. Yeah. I. She's like, so remember that feeling. Make sure you do that when you're singing. Don't just like you said, you know, tighten up the top of your chest and, and your throat just to push it out because that's right. not that's not going to help. Yeah. Air, air and push. And actually, my vocal coach had said, think about little babies that are crying, you know, like crazy all the time. You don't ever hear horse little babies. Sadly, no. <laughs> your, yeah. Your body actually is better built for that kind of projection. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. So I guess that, you know, here's here's the, the thoughts on going through a, a streak like that. Um, it actually... Uh, required a little bit of morale management, you know, like it was intense and it was, you know, quite warm for a couple of the gigs. And so, you know, like pitching in and helping the drummer and the 
keyboard player with a, with one of his loading runs, sure. you know, we're all in this together was a really, you know, I, I, I hope that was a, a valuable thing that, that, uh, we all pitched in and we all got through it together. So, so do, you not, kind of like do, do you price. as a band not normally do that? Everybody does their own stuff. Oh, isn't that fascinating? Yep. Really? Yep. I don't think I've ever been in a band where that's the case. I mean, certainly if I show up before anybody else, then I mean, I'll, you know, I pack my drums and, you know, set them up. But any band I've been in, uh, you know, where if we're all, especially all loading in at the same time, uh, invariably, so, I mean, people help lug the gear, but most of the time, you know, somebody will ask, is there like, look, do you need any help? And, and the biggest thing that, that I can be helped with, without needing to know like skills is take my drums out of the cases. And, mm. and so that part's huge, but yeah, especially like lugging gear. I'm shocked. You guys don't do that. No, we don't do that. But you know, also drums and keys get the reserve parking spots. Everybody else is kind of on their own, you know, sure. in general for that type yeah. of stuff. And yeah. so, yeah, everybody, that's just, huh. just the way we've done it. So <sighs> that's weird. I would hate that. <laughs> no, I mean, I don't just mean I would hate that from the standpoint of, of not having help. It, it's more that th- that camaraderie starting early, it, you know, in the gig is, is I think really important. In fact, I was just thinking the other night about this. Some of my favorite gigs have been those, like when I was playing in Texas with the blues rock trio, we could all go in one pickup truck, right? We could load all the gear in the back, drums, amps, PA, everything. Cause it was just three of us. And uh, and then we could sit across the front of the bench seat of a pickup truck and we could go even if we we're, you know, down in San Antonio or whatever, an hour and a half away. It was no big deal. And, you know, having that 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 shared experience from, you know, from basically home or although we would always load up at our bass player's house um, like that's a, that's that's to me, that's a huge part of why I like to play in bands. Huh. Yeah. Well. You know, again, not to walk it all the way back. If yeah. someone needs help or if someone's tight on time, of sure. course people pitch in. Yeah, yeah, but and it's just people, not part of the it's not part of the culture of your band. Yeah, and if people if people um, carpool, you know, that you know sure. usually ends up being that type of thing. But in general, no, it's not. It's not like all right, everybody's here. Let's go do whatever it takes to get it done. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, huh. I don't know. that's interesting. There you go. Yeah, there you go. So, um, but anyway, the point was, is that, you know, that in this situation, you know, under, under shared crisis, uh, helps with morale and helps, you know, kind of, yes. and also, you know, reminding everybody to chill and, you know, get into the gig as they feel physically best to do it. Yep. Um, you know, I, I think that that was an important part of it. Um, but mostly kind of like, you know, almost the shared absurdity of it. I like, you know, if you're 20 and you're on tour and this is what you're doing to try and, you know, find your way in the music world, that's one thing. But if you're 40 plus, 50 plus, one guy's 60 plus, and you um, are going to take this tag, I mean, there's just kind of a, a certain amount of silliness to the concept of it. I mean, this amount of playing, I right. mean, it was fun. We got paid and, you know, all that type of stuff. But um, at the end of the day, it kind of felt like we accomplished something. I mean, we we did five <clears throat> terrific shows, really terrific shows, um, all had their own flavor and their own pacing and their own, you know, like the festival we gig on Saturday night. That was we were the, we were the headliners. So we hit the ground. We hit the hit the ground running. You know, we're calling pretty high energy to right from the beginning and uh and uh that had that vibe and you know this the park show was like we, we played like 
Saturday in the Park by Chicago and, you know, yeah. You Make Me So Very Happy by Blood, Sweat and Tears and, you know, some of the, some of that stuff until we got into it. And then we closed, you know, the last eight to 10 songs where, you know, the high energy stuff that they'll remember us by. And, and that strategy worked really well for that. So there were, it was, it was, I really enjoyed it. I, I, I don't think everybody in my band really enjoyed it. I think some of the guys, you know, it's work and it was great. And some of the guys were, man, this is a little bit more than I signed up for, but you know, it, it, it's hard to manage that moving Moving oh, yeah. line of expectation. It, right? It's hard. Oh yeah. I mean, and it doesn't matter what that where that line is. I mean, even when I'm when I say you know I want a gig twice a month or whatever, and uh, it, th- that's impossible to actually yeah. hit that number in any given calendar month. It's like you you want to look at the yearly average, and it's like okay, twenty five thirty gigs, great, perfect, you know, but. Five gigs, not good. You know, 50 gigs, not good for, I mean, yeah. if that's the goal, right? But it's impossible to, to, you know, a lot of times when I say, you know, I want a gig twice a month or whatever, I'll have, you know, three gigs in one weekend and then, and then five weeks Nothing off for or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like, Again, yeah, you know, my whole thing, and I, yeah. I share this with you. My, my thought is constancy and consistency are the keys to keeping a you know a band working, especially if you have pros in it, right? That where yeah. guys depend on you know if you if you have a bunch of semi pros, you have the conversation and everybody agrees to what their goals are, right? right. So there's no surprises. Right. I like your gig specific strategy, right. I though. I think there's probably oh. some guy. Uh oh, Skype's your your network's getting us again, man. Uh oh. Uh oh. Let's see how we do. Am I gone? Yeah, I think you're here. No, you're here. Uh- I'm here. All right, good. Uh, what I was going to say is, I I really like your the 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 concept of the gig specific strategy. So not just rolling in and saying, "All right, pull out the set list and play it." Right? You, you know, thinking about what songs are going to work with what crowd and with the band at that time and the vibe of the gig. I I, I do that all the time, but um, but I I feel like if I didn't, it, at least in I think well. I don't know. The guy's in fling. It depends. But sometimes it's like, ah, just grab an old set list. We'll just use that. It's like, no, no, we got to, you know, craft it for this gig. Yeah. I wrote set lists specifically for each of these, you know, kind of as I was feeling, you know, and anticipating. And in general, it worked. I mean, there were a couple of audibles everywhere, but yeah, it was, um, it was a good experience. Like I was about to say, I think if you were to ask the guys in my band, some are loving the work, you know, my trombone player on top of what I did, he went and played three late night salsa gigs. I mean, and, but music is entirely his income sure, and that's what he does. So, yeah. but well, I that's, think, and that's know, no guys- different, that's no different than, you know, you or I working, whatever our day jobs are and right. then going and playing a gig after that, his sleep schedules, you know, adjusted <laughs> and skewed. Yeah. It's just different, right? It's like, oh yeah, I, I, I worked here and then I go work there. It's fine. Yeah. No problem. So I, you know, I enjoyed the experience. It's, you know, a little bit of a, a test of your, yeah. determination, a little bit of test of your preparation. Cause that's what is really the key. Like, <laughs> you know, that, that, you know, having set lists and communicating a strategy and, you know, focusing on the audience, all this stuff kind of paid off and, and kind of brought us through this. Even the guys who were really dragging on this, <clears throat> you know um, you know, I think if you were to ask them at the end, it was like, Oh, that's pretty cool that we got through it. I wouldn't want to do that every week, but you know, kind of cool that we, that we went through this stretch and we were pretty successful with it. So yeah, it was, I, I'm, I'm happy, you know, to have done that. I, I really enjoyed the challenge of it. I enjoyed the, you know, that, you know, it's like being a touring musician for a very short period of time. I mean, right. Right. You it know, is. Yeah. That, that every gig, you know, you can't phone in any of those gigs. Right. Right. 
whoever booked you for the fifth of the five gigs still expects the the best show you could put on. And so, you know, you can manage it a little bit, you know, depending upon the vibe of the band to get you to that place where you're going over. And like I said, the fifth gig, it was a, it was a one to three gig. It's, it's, you know, it's not people haven't been drinking all day. The vibe I knew was going to be a little bit laid back, you know, people in a really nice park. And so what did we do? We, you know, we eased into it, played some really cool music stuff people wouldn't hear. So it definitely wasn't that we were phoning it in. But, you know, you don't hear you make me so very happy very often and our horns kill on that. And so just the sound of it was cool. We played um, So Very Hard to Go by Tower of Power. And, you know, Nick sings the hell out of that. And it's it just created a nice vibe of music, more like concert. And then the last, like I said, the you know, the last half of the second set, we did what we do. And and, uh, and that's what people walked away with. And hopefully it was a good experience for everybody. So I thought it was a it was a it's a good learning experience. It's fun to see if you can do that. And, uh, you know, I definitely think you grow as a musician by stretching your expert, not just not just because you're running scales and your technical chops are, but being a performing musician, yeah. stretching what you think you can do is a good thing. It is. I, I always like those runs. Uh, you know, I mean, I had one in the fall, right, where I had I was on stage 14 days in a row or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's I mean. It, it it is it it's grueling at times in the middle of it the repetition of it is the grueling part to me the like once i'm playing it's like okay great i'm doing my thing everything's good we're all fine but it's the oh i have to do that again today okay all right great just got to get myself in gear and let's go and you know life in general unlike being yeah. a touring musician life in general doesn't stop right so you you have whatever else it is you've got going on at home also happening and then it's like all right i've added this not just you know one to three days out of a week but now you know whatever it is seven or even five and yeah it gets a little crazy but it's good and again remember yeah. we're not working in a coal mine here we're nope. not you know lifting lumber we're, we're strumming an instrument i mean drums are a little more physical i get that but i mean sure in, but in it's, Paris, it's, it's it's yeah yeah no i'm yeah, totally with you <laughs> we're not we're not uh you know not saving lives here yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> So I was thinking, man, about I really enjoyed the conversation in the last episode about fans. I mean, it, it had me thinking a lot about a lot of things. Mm. And uh, I, if it's cool with you, I'd love to just kind of extend that just a little bit and, you know, just put a coda on that. And, uh, and yeah, I had and to I had to cut us. I had to cut us short last time because we we got started late with network issues. And then and then I had to I had to go. So, yeah, of course, let's 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 wrap that up properly. Let's do it. So, so yeah. here's my thing. I was getting to the point where I was thinking about the types of people I know through music. You know, I was thinking about the word fan, like what is a fan? Yeah. And, I, you know, I, it, it kind of strikes me that there are people who come to see me play who um, like my music. And by my, I mean, whether it's you know solo acoustic or with the house rockers or whatever. There are there are music fans and the extent of the exchange is I'm going to create some music and if it makes you happy enough that you want to come back and see it again, that is the that is the basis of our relationship. There are people also who are like, oh, um, when these guys play or when he plays, there's pretty cool people hanging out. And, you know, I you know, it's a social event for me. And that's the reason I'm you know, I, I'm I'm somewhere on the spectrum of of good to great. I mean, I, I can imagine if the music was terrible, they wouldn't show, but somewhere on the spectrum of good to great, but actually what he's putting out there in terms of music is not the primary reason I'm going to see them. That's another type of person. And then like we were talking about in the last thing, there's like this uh, dynamic of, of a line of, of in order for us to maintain our relationship, 
Um, I need more from you than the music you're putting out. I need, you know, some kind of a connection, whether it's I need, you know, to feel like I can come backstage and, you know, hang with the band afterwards, which would be kind of a gross, you know, over the line type of thing um, versus, uh, hey, you know, you want to hang out, you know, and, and a whole spectrum of activities that are really more about, well, you know, part of me being a fan of yours has to do with me being a friend of yours. Mm. And, if, and if that can't happen on both ways, then it's not, it's not good for me, the fan, which, you know, I get it. That's, that's part of it to some. And we talked last week about some strategies about drawing some boundaries and that type of stuff. And, and, you know, again, it's not that the boundary is always needed. I mean, part of the skill is figuring out when it's needed. You may right. really like the person or you may end up marrying the person like you did. Right. Mm. So, so, yeah. you know, you you can often find some very good friends as a result of this. And, you know, I guess a friendship that is based upon someone coming up and saying, hey, I really like your music is going to, you know, give you a pretty big head to start a friendship. <laughs> pretty with, good right? start. <laughs> yeah, right. yep. for me. Yep. But, um, but I was thinking about our conversation. I was thinking about, you know, there's that very pure thing. You don't know their name. You see them out in the audience regularly. They just are into what you're doing. And that's a very rewarding thing. See, okay, so here's the thing, though. I don't I think that only exists in your head Um, because and and I think I mean, certainly this is that's true for a cover musician. I also think it's true for original bands. In fact, I don't think there's a whole lot of difference, although with an original band, generally speaking, the only way you're going to see that music live is to go and see that band play it. Right. You know, but. Uh, even then, I don't think people show up just for the music. If they if they were only interested in the music, they just play it at home. So I, I, I really believe that that you've created something that doesn't exist uh, in your head. No, I, I, so here's where I'll push back. Yeah. <clears throat> there are people who are live music fans getting out of the house. Yeah. And sitting somewhere having a glass of wine while some or, or you know, a picnic or whatever it is while, you know, music. And if you're really good at it and you're delivering some kind of an experience which for me is a whole part of it. Like, you know, whether it's the band or solo, you know, offering a narrative of music for a couple of hours is a big part of it. Yeah, um, but that's, so not, that's not, not what, that's it. number one. That's not what you, that's not what I heard you describe. What I heard you describe mm-hmm. is someone is there just for the music. What you just described is someone that likes to have music as a, a either a backdrop or a front drop, right? Some level of priority, in this mix of this other experience that they are going to live. Right. And, and so to me, that's not all that different from the second thing you described, which is, you know, music, uh, you know, as part of this vibe that they're going to experience, but it's not just about the music. Mm. I don't know. I, I would, I would just say my own experience is, like you say, there are people. They might come up and say thank you for a nice night. Yeah, of course, know, they don't yeah. want any more than that. No, well, and right. There's, they, there's, they're putting a little trust into if I'm gonna. So when I play solo acoustic, there are people who come. They'll sit in the club. They'll have their glass of wine. They'll nod. They'll smile. They'll clap after just about every song. Yep. And maybe say thank you, good night. I enjoyed it again at the end of the night, and that is the extent of our exchange. And that is. And and they're and I'm guessing they're choosing to come see what I have to put out there as opposed to the guy next door. You know, they, 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 you know that there is some connection that we that I've earned or that they've discovered that works for them. And well, they, so, yeah, they certainly find that that this experience it reliably delivers what it is they're looking for, but it may not have anything to do with you in particular. 
Right. I mean, it, it does. Right. They say, oh, when we go see Paul, he plays at places that we like. They serve the kind of drinks we like. They serve the kind of food. They have comfortable seating, you know, like whatever that vibe is that those people want. And also Paul plays songs that we like or that we know or, you know, have some meaning to us. And and that's great. But I, I guess what I'm saying is I certainly you described three different uh types of of interaction and and certainly the third one the person that wants to go from fan to friend told like that totally exists and is you know largely uncomfortable uh when it when it happens but the first two i think are basically i think it's just really two different two two groups because I, I i don't think anybody shows up for just the music they they want that live band experience or that live uh, you know whatever it is and your music's part of that, but it's not the whole thing. No, no, dig in a little bit farther. So, what's the difference between the they they want the live band experience, but they don't want, the, but they just don't want the music? How do you define that again? Well, I mean, you're you're saying they're there just for the music, but they're not, right? They're there to experience live music. You said they bring a picnic, right? I mean, it's this whole they 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 build an experience around it or or an experience is built for them around it depending on, you know, where it is they go and and how that happens. But I it's not it's not just about the music. It's never huh. just about the music. Interesting. Yeah. And well, because gee, Dave, and, now, you have me, now you have me feeling bad about myself. No, you shouldn't feel bad about yourself. I mean, you're <laughs> you're a part of that. But but here's the thing, right? You I it Based on our shared reaction to this this group that wants to go from fan to friend and, you know, it's definitely it's not reciprocated by you. You don't want the people that are there just like for you. (laughs) You you want the people that are there for the scene that you either create or are a part of. Now, I mean, you know, if you put together your own gigs or or even if you. Uh, you know, I, I've been in bands where there is a scene and it's great because people show up for that scene. And part of the scene is the music, but part of it is the other people that they get to see there and all of that. And there doesn't need to be a direct connection between that person and you. Like you said, they might wave, they might say thanks, but, but that's enough. Like that, that interaction doesn't need to go any further for them. Uh Oh, I lost him again. This is not good. Are you there? Yeah, we lost you for a second, man. <sighs> How, how's my packets now? Your packets, check, check, check. your packets are fine. Can you hear me, Paul? I think I might have to pause this for for a second, folks. Hang on. Okay. All right. I think we're here. Paul, you there? We're here. Okay. I'm here. So to catch you up. We were uh, we, I, I, just saying that I don't think there's a whole lot of difference between between those first two groups. Right. Well, yeah, again, I'm thinking about the group. I mean, there's there is a scene of, of music fans. Yeah, they like music is, you know, they really enjoy live music would be the first characteristic of them. They getting to know the musicians is. Component of this, and um, and it adds to their enjoyment when they feel like they're seeing their friends play. Sure, right? yeah, I can. Okay, all right, okay, right. And I'm totally with you that that there's this group that can be too a little overbearing. 
and perhaps way too overbearing, depending on, you know, on, on the desires there. Yeah. 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 Anyway, I, you know, here's the deal. You think about this. Fans are good. You want fans. You want to engender fans. You want to create an environment where fans enjoy your music. The, the, the responsibility for managing any extended relationship is on you. You're the one who invited them to your music. Um, you're the one who has to be good if you want to achieve the goal of having a fan and, you know, being considered, a, you know, a decent human being, you know, setting boundaries and letting people know what you're willing and not willing to do. That's really on the musician. That's and so when we just, you know, described those tactics before of things that you can and can't do, should or should not do skills you should or should not have. Yeah. You just want to encourage, you know, our fellow musicians be good at that. Right. You know, be good at saying, hey, you know, I really can't talk right now. Be good at, you know, letting someone know where your boundaries are in terms of, you know, how far you're willing to go. And, you know, you're not going to be great. It's not perfect. And you're going to no. lose some people. But, you know, maybe those people you lose if you've been cool and you've been courteous and you've been kind, but you're just not willing to take for whatever your own reasons are. You're getting, you know, a vibe or whatever it is, whatever those reasons are, you know, maybe that's not a maybe that's not a fan that you want. But, right. you know, that's no, every and- situation. Yeah, you're not going to be perfect at this, but but that imperfection, uh, being I think just being aware of it is is the key, and and sometimes that imperfection might let through somebody that you might not normally let through, and it turns into a lifelong friendship, and that's okay too, you know. All right, that's a good thing, right? I mean, it that, can. That's an yeah. unexpected benefit. I I have um I don't think I have anyone. I don't think I'm talking about anybody that that I like currently interact with here. So if you think this is about you, it's not, but, uh, but I have had good friends that started out as people that I was like, Oh dude, no, like this is over the top. I can't like, I got to keep this at bay. Actually, there is one person and it has nothing to do with music, but it has to do with um, my Mac geek podcast. The, the guy that Mac geek users or listeners know as pilot Pete, who has, he lives locally, he comes and he hangs out. Uh, like when he first reached out to me and said, Hey, I'm, I'm this guy, Pete, and I live near you and I'm a listener of your show. We should go have lunch. And it was like, uh Oh, you know, like hackles were up and, uh, but it turns out that we get along great and, yeah. and we become friends and our families, you know, have holidays together and all that good stuff. But it, you know, you gotta, you gotta keep that, um, you know, you gotta, you gotta be aware of that. Yeah. Well, and I would say the same thing. I I do have a couple of really good friends, you know, that I've really enjoyed getting relationships from them. I'm not a guy who, you know, is the life of the party and, you know, wants 100 people around me all the time. Right. But I'm, and I'm fortunate. There's a couple of people, you know, we watch ball games together. You know, we can hang out. We can have a meal together. You know, sometime after a gig, we'll go get a meal. And it's a, it's a very nice thing. I would say the hardest thing for me, maybe another conversation, is once the gig is done, I need to decompress a little bit and not be that guy and not talk about the gig. And so sometimes the, the nature of the friendship would make it successful is when it's a true friendship. You know, like once the gig is done, we can talk about you and we can talk about, you know, you know, you know, we can connect on a different level. That's that. I guess that's what I'm saying is that's what yeah. would define a real friendship to me. If that's it's just totally really that, you know, you want to go and, keep, you know, you want to go and keep talking about what I just did. A, I'm I can't do that, and B, right. I don't want to do that. So if that's the, if that's the tenet of the of the relationship, and I don't really think I have anyone in my life that's like that, and you and you figure that out pretty quick. But right. you know, you can tell there can be someone who just say, hey, "Man, I like what you do," and you know, you seem like a good guy. 
you know, and then you get to know someone and, and then you hang out and, you know, a real, but remember, think about what a real friendship is. Yeah. If what you're just doing is extending the fan musician relationship into other, into other arenas beside. That's a tough thing to me. Yeah, it's totally so true. I, no, I, I wouldn't be. Kidding. Some people might want to take adulation. All right. So you're cutting out, but, but I'm, yeah, I'm going to, so. no, you're, it, that's definitely that. And I, and I like the way you articulated that because it it's like, that's a great litmus test. If when the gig's over, if that person still wants to talk about the gig, that like, that's a no, no. <laughs> like, I, if I don't know you really, really well, I'm not going to be able to decompress with you. Right. It, I need to I need to decompress with people with whom I'm very, very comfortable um, if, if we're going to talk about the gig. And a lot of times that's just me. Like the drive home can be that or when I you know, I always have said I like to get back to the house. For sure. And and it's just like empty or everybody's asleep and I can just sort of be me and then I can decompress and think about the gig. But if I'm going to do that with another human being, it needs to be somebody that I trust implicitly. And to be fair, even then. It sometimes just doesn't work to do that with another human. Like I can get home, you know, whether my wife was at the gig or not, if she's awake, like there's always that, uh oh, is she going to want to talk about the gig? And, you know, sometimes like I really want to because I I'm in a frame of mind where that's a good thing to do. And sometimes it's like, nope, I, like I can't do this right now. But and, and I don't I right. mean, I, you know, I don't say it rudely to her. It's just like, yeah, it's not now it's not a good time. She knows she's like, oh, OK, yeah, no problem. You know. But um, but that's because we're really good friends. <laughs> you know, we trust each other. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think we're going to get you back, Paul. Folks, I'm going to start playing the music because I don't think we're going to hear from Paul again today. I think uh oh, yeah, we might get might get a little sporadic, sporadic little communications. Well, lost tonight or you know, so you're lost. All right. Well, I'm going to play it because it's got we got to go. Folks, always be performing, even when someone can't hear you like Paul. Paul, We know Paul is performing at his finest right now, and we are sorry to miss it. Good news, we'll be back next week. We'll see you then. Visit us on Facebook, giggabpodcast.com slash Facebook. <laughs>